spark plug. Hello? Yes. Spark plug, can you hear me? Hello? Spark plug, can you hear me? I can. How are you? <laughs> uh, we're finally uh, mastering this technology effort, aren't we? Oh, yes. It's still a work in progress for me. <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I am really good. Um, so to start off my podcast, I'm just going to do my little en- intro and then we'll get to chatting. Does that sound good? Yes, sounds great. Perfect. All right. Hello, everyone. This is Candace Axford, and this is Positive Spark Plug. Today, I'm super excited for you guys to be listening in because not only is he my friend, but he is my mentor. Sergeant Ken is with us. Hello. How are you? I'm great, and I'm excited to talk to your audience members because, you know, we're in the same business of impacting and empowering people worldwide. That we certainly are. Um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? So like things like where you're from, have you always been into fitness and like being active, sports maybe? Um, what were you thinking you wanted to be when you're older? Just kind of things like that. Kind of give my listeners a little bit of insight on who Sergeant Ken is. Roger that. Well, that's a loaded question. Um, let's see. Uh, I've been in fitness for ever since the age of six. Uh, it was the first time I held an American football. And because of my father enrolling me in my very first little uh, league sports uh, camp uh, that that shaped me in who I am today when it comes to athletics because that's where I have that that love for athletics and um, but I really wear two hats because I'm still in the Army National Guard the reserves uh, I serve it uh, one week in a month and two weeks in the summer I work uh, my wartime job skill. I work in counterintelligence and anti-terrorism. My peacetime job skill is I'm a master fitness trainer and a master resilience trainer, which is a life coach. I studied at the University of Pennsylvania School of Positive Psychology and learned a concept called resiliency and have been using it um, quite a lot. I uh, served as uh, the lead life coach for the Suicide Prevention Task Force here in the state of Tennessee. And um, I live uh, just outside Nashville, home of country music. And um, yeah, I love it. Love living in Nashville. I've got a creek running through the backyard. And um, I got a, an eight-year-old son that loves to pick the tadpoles back there. And, and at the same time, we can have all the culture in the world just right down the street. But, um, you know, in an effort of saying, um, you know, who I am and what I do, other than the military hat, I travel well over 250 days a year speaking in uh, multiple countries to lead um, fitness workshops, leadership, mentorship and resiliency programs. Uh, for a number of different audiences, uh, both in um, keynotes as well as uh, breakout sessions. And 
and intensive emerging courses that would be considered certifications. And I've been doing that corporately for the last seven years worldwide and have mapped out, um, well, I've mapped out an average of uh, 300,000 miles a year um, over the last oh. few years. Wowzers. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> a lot of mileage. A lot of mileage. And with a newborn baby girl in the house, my wife is um, excited to see if I could uh, transition to more U.S. or can- Canadian-based workshops instead. And um, so we're going to see a big change in 2019. Yes, you definitely, definitely need to be home. Get those moments in with Sarah. That is your little one's name, correct? That's right. Yes, I can't wait for you to meet her spark plug. She's, uh, she's adorable. I have to meet both of your babies. That's true. You haven't met Anderson yet. And because the, um, the time that we brought him up to CanFit Pro World Toronto was just before you and I uh, hit it off as friends and, and, um, and before you had any of my programs, any of my classes. I will, will have to make a time and definitely meet. Yeah. Oh, is that her right here in the background? Yeah. So I think she woke up from her nap. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to have to pause this one and come back to it. Let me see. Sarah, hi. Hi, Sarah. (laughs) Yeah, I think she's hungry again. How about if I call, how about if um, you send me another invite in about uh, five minutes? That works. All right. See you soon. Oh, all right. Bye-bye. Bye. From scratch, or you want to just take it, carry on from here? It's up to you. You're a little, you're a little quiet. What do you mean, a little quiet? Let's try it. Can you hear me? Uh, very slightly. Interesting. It's the same recording, same means oh, of uh, getting louder. Getting louder. Oh, there you are. Yeah. Okay. It must be a Wi-Fi thing. Okay. Can you hear me well now? I certainly can. All right. You want to start from scratch? You want to just continue from where we left off? It's up to you. We can continue. I'm, okay. You're a busy man, and that is life, right? Life gets in the way. Yeah, so let's do this. Um, so what, um, you're a man of m- many hats, but what made you decide to join the Army slash National Guard? I've always felt a calling to serve my country and to um, live as a patriot, to, to assist people that are not able to really help uh, themselves in a conflict or, or uh, during any natural or unnatural disasters. And, and that was to, to answer this calling. I, uh, I joined the regular army, the active duty army, uh, years ago, uh, left college voluntarily, went and joined and, and I wound up only a couple years later serving in the, my first conflict operation desert storm. And I guess by mentioning that conflict, I'm dating myself now, but <laughs> so, but <it's, laughs> um, yeah, so I've been in 30 years 
of total military service and and several several deployments overseas. Um, but again, you know, initially it was because I wanted to really serve. I wanted to serve others. I just felt that this was my calling. This is what I was um, born to be and uh, born to uh, my, the who and why and what I am. And um, and uh, I, I couldn't be happier, uh, you know, and this the only thing, you know, thriving on that calling has kept me re-enlisting so many times and over the last 30 years. Ah, so you're, did you ever, because you were bringing, you're talking about the football, did you ever have a dream of being a football player or did you just know that your calling was to help serve others and become yeah, like so I, I thought I was going to be playing college and hopefully professional sports. I you know, was athletic, uh, again, ever since the age of six. And um, I had made quite a few uh, records uh, in my high school years. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I got a severe back injury that ended my football career altogether uh, and near the end of my um, football season of my senior year. And I had to really reinvent myself. And I mean, in fact that, you know, I've reinvented myself several times since then, but that was really the first time that I could say as a, as a mature young adult that I reinvented myself because um, I, you know, cause if athletics was over and there was just no chance of it, no one's going to take a chance on, you know, some, kid uh that's got injured and uh, especially a severe injury in in out of high school um i had to seek other means of um you know serving other people and and to, and to be uh to be something that i was born to be and you know if it's not the thing that you originally think it is then as you reinvent yourself you discover that you had a lot more than just that i couldn't agree more um, how, how has the military, like, how has the army shaped your life? It's, it was the, well, it's the longest running job that I've ever, ever had in my life. That's for sure. Uh, you know, I've had a couple of corporate jobs serving as the health and fitness, uh, creator and columnist for the army national guard magazine, which is run by a publisher out of Nashville, Tennessee, and it is a civilian publisher that has a government contract. Uh, and, you know, um, but it's, I've had six military occupational specialties over the last six years, everything from uh, cryptologist, code breaker, air defense, artillery, um, uh, specialist, um, c combat engineer, uh, construction supervisor, uh, military human intelligence collector, and an analyst, and counterintelligence agent, and anti-terrorism specialist. And those jobs and those deployments and those trips and those conflicts and uh, have all, um, I guess they've helped me with my organizational skills. They've helped me with um, test my resiliency. And... Um, in, in the long run, I've had plenty of chances of in the worst of times to have the choice of whether or not to quit and seek something else. But 
it's because of serving that greater good, that big, huge cause, that mission in life uh, through the military that um, I realized that it was something I kept coming back to and, and did not waver for uh, 30 straight years. Wow. What, um, what are the biggest challenges that you've had to face being in the army, whether that being deployed or just right here in your, like in your hometown and how do you overcome them? I think the biggest challenge is for any soldier, sailor, sailor, airman or Marine or, or, or anyone serving um, in this capacity uh, for any country is, is being away from home. You know, conflict is one thing. Serving in conflict is one thing. And, and, and then uh, completing missions as part of major operations, battles, conflicts, and wars, uh, they're all part of um, that uh, job that, 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 you know, that we uh, enlisted for. But the, the part that we leave behind, the, the second war, is is the war that's created every time we leave the home front. What I mean by that is, is I think that when a soldier deploys, uh, I think that it creates, it creates um, this double-edged sword because I think that the true heroes are the family members and friends that we leave behind the kind of mop up things while we're gone. Uh, the, so that things are, are kept with some sort of normal spirit um, and as well as um, what they have to go through since there is this big, huge vacuum in our absence. Uh, for example, my wife, I left her on, on wedding night and, um, and instead of a honeymoon, um, we were, you know, darting off to an airport so she could drop me off. And then I stayed so long in that one tour of duty in Iraq that uh, I left the I I missed the first year anniversary. And um, so I really think that what happens at home is um, just as traumatizing as what happens in conflict overseas. So um, that's the hard part, because, you know, when we finally our worlds come back together, uh, the you know, it's as if we're starting all over, but we're, we either fell apart or we bounced back. I mean, it, that's really the definition of resiliency is that you can either fall apart or bounce back. But, um, you know, the, the brighter perspective is that if you bounce back, you bounce back to a higher place because what you go through, you grow through your adversities are your advantages. And I'm, when I came back from that tour of duty in Iraq, I, I came back to a, a, a new wife because I had just left her on wedding night again. But I came back to a wife that was uh, 10 times stronger. Um, uh, she had to be independent uh, she, to, sur- to survive and to thrive. And she uh, kept our fitness business, uh, the longest running boot camp program in the USA she, that was based out of San Francisco at a time where we used to live. And she kept it alive. And in fact, it had grown in my absence because of her, her ingenuity, her creativity, um, and of course, her commitment to our mutual vision to 
change the world one community at a time. Uh, so um, I guess it, it's a test of resilience every time, both home and abroad. For, for all parties involved, it sounds like. Yes. Your wife is a superwoman, though. Yes. So I'm sh- as much as I know she probably struggles and wishes you were home, I'm sure she handles it with a lot of dignity and pride for you being out doing what you're doing and her being able to be home with the babies and doing the other stuff that you are not able to get to because you're out traveling. Yes, and she does an amazing job. While I've been doing this international travel of over 250 days a year um, in numerous countries, and her watching our children, she was able to um, completely uh, finish and graduate with an MBA and get a 4.0, write a book, and um, is now building uh, uh, all of our educational materials. She's been building it out for an online platform that is soon to be released um, with a major partnership that um, it, it it will be a game changer for us because it, it's her way of being able to have me travel less and manage things from home because over the last several years that I've been doing this international work, I've ch- trained and certified over 4,100 boot camp instructors in, in over 30 countries, but it's now come to the point where I need to manage them uh, from the home front so I can reach more of the masses. And because of this online platform that she's uh, developing, um, we're going to see some smarter work and not just harder work very soon. So let's talk about that. It's you certify boot camp instructors under Start Fitness. Correct. Can you tell me about that? Like, how did you build it? What made you think of wanting to do something like that? And like, how did it start up? Well, start at the start in start fitness. Uh, it was in the original idea. And oh my goodness, it goes all the way back to 1989. And you're not allowed to even say that if you were born or not then. But um, <laughs> in 1989 is when I first put together the concept when I joined the military, because I noticed that there were soldiers that needed help. And I created, uh, I created fitness leadership, mentorship programs while I was in the regular active duty army overseas in Germany. And I called it at the time operation fit to fight. And it wasn't just the fight as in what soldiers do. It's the fight in in what we do for thriving in life. It, it, It was just a bigger umbrella term. And then, then it was when I finally got out of um, uh, this a recent conflict in Operation Iraqi Freedom, I said, you know, I need to do more with this to see if I can uh, work this. And so I created the program called START. START is an acronym that stands for Strategic Army Training. Now, at the time, um, it was way back when in, in uh, uh, 1996, where I said, okay, I need some money I want to go out there and be a consultant for the military, make a government contracting company. And I would call it start consulting. 
uh, and that would be the first program. Well, I needed cash, so I, I didn't know how I was going to do that. Living in San Francisco, just moved there, and and everything was hugely expensive. Um, and then I said, okay, I'm working out in a 24 hour fitness, trying to get, uh, trying to get some inspiration. And I was wearing some old camouflage pants because I had just come from painting my apartment. I was wearing a, some sort of Under Armour shirt and a baseball cap. And, and I said, hmm, maybe they'll take me as a fitness specialist here. Literally walked into um, this room where this group fitness area director was holding a group fitness manager meeting. And seven women were looking at me and judging me immediately uh, like it, like I had just walked into a, an episode of The View, and um, they, they had said, they had said, "Can we help you?" And I said, "Yeah. If you ever think of uh, hiring um, someone who's trained as a, you know, uh, a tactical uh, drill sergeant," and you know, and and the woman that was in charge of the meeting quickly replied, "You mean like a boot camp?" And you know, no one had been using that term yet. It was 1996. These were the days of step aerobics, and Ty Bo had just started to come on the scene, so it was still step frenzy. There wasn't a boot camp program uh, at all in San Francisco at the time. And I said, yeah, yeah, sure, a boot camp, whatever you want to call it. And and she goes, well, we'll have to audition you. And audition me? Oh, okay. Um, then let's uh, – let's. when do you want to schedule that? And they go, in five minutes. And I said, okay. And we walked right into the group fitness room, and, you know, and without any music, I just started – barking and impacting and empowering people with a lot of action and demonstration and, and then coaching techniques uh, like I still do today. And, and seven minutes into it, as they were nearly exceeding VO2 max, they said, they said, stop, stop, stop. And they were all kind of huddling in the back of the, uh, uh, that group fitness studio. And I'm thinking, okay, well, <laughs> what's, what's happening now? And they came up and they said, well, you know, we're going to give this a shot. We're going to go ahead and think big, start small. We'll put you in a studio that fits about 40 people in our downtown location. And we'll put out some flyers and, you know, just let's be positive about it. It'll take time to build. All right. Well, two weeks later, we opened that first class. And in a room that fit 40 people, we had 150 people show up. We had three, yeah, we had three news crews and we also had the National Guard uh, color guard, the, the ones that hold the flags and open up ceremonies, they were standing against the wall and they dipped the army flag. Um, and of course the U S flag doesn't dip, but they dipped the army flag and, during the opening ceremony before I taught the class. Now <laughs> I didn't ask for that, but I was definitely, you know, quite an honor that that happened. And, and so this was the birth of the fun building effort that I called under the program called start fitness. And it was supposed to help me start a consulting company called Start Consulting. But Start Fitness became so popular and I saw such an effect it had on both civilians and military alike that I never did a day of Start Consulting. And it's been oh. ever since then that I've been doing my best to change lives through Start Fitness. And then racing forward, I said, okay, I, I can't do it alone. Um, I, uh, I, I said, I've got to have a legacy, uh, you know, people that I can trust to, to share this vision and teach others. And so about 10 years ago, I took some old materials from that, 
first effort that I wrote in 1989, revamped it and, and started a program called the Boot Camp Instructor Certification Course. And, um, and again, it was one of the first of its kind. And I launched it at the Canadian Fitness Professionals uh, Conference and um, some other conferences in the U.S., and at uh, the AFC Bangkok, Asia Fitness uh, Conference in Bangkok, Thailand. And we had launched it um, nearly uh, seven years ago uh, when it was revamped and then supported with continuing education credits. And it was, then we put it out and it just took off. And um, because what they what the users tell me that they notice differently because I didn't compare it to anything else. I didn't want to I don't want to have any of my um, development process when I was on the drawing board putting this course together. I didn't look at anyone else's course. I didn't want to be swayed in any way. I just built it the way I wanted to receive this in the way that I was mentored by my by my sergeants throughout my career, and okay. so that meant there had to be 70% psychology and 30% science. There had to be a way of me being able to coach rather than simply train. And in fact, I don't even like the word trainer. I love the word coach because it, it, it shows that we're trying to get into um, the heart of the matter. You know, you know, as John C. Maxwell says, if you want to lead others, use your heart. If you want to lead yourself, use your head. And so everything that I do begins from that heart voice. And so for the past seven years, it has been an incredible ride. The, now, the program is in three parts, um, three phases, rather. You know, we have a level one course, eight hours long. We have a level two course, eight hours long. And, and soon to be released officially, the master level course, which will be 16 hours long. And... Um, so out of the 4,100 certified instructors, I'd say 60% of them are level one and the rest level two. And only a handful that I've just taken under my wing is for OJT, on-the-job training, to be um, teaching aides and to be uh, trained as uh, my initial master instructors. And um, that's where we are today. Wow. That, so you... You offer lots of different ways, and your start fitness it brings in some of your military backgrounds, right? And that's what kind of makes it a makes it different than just the regular boot camps you see out there. Right? That's, ex like that's exactly it. That's exactly it, um, uh, Candice. Um, if if you can't, let's put it this way. I, it just reminds me of what my drill sergeant would always say that my drill sergeant back in the very beginning, 30 years ago, um, you know, uh, he would, he would quote Teddy Roosevelt. He would say, people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. The moment that he said that I realized that that was, that was the message that I wanted to convey in all of the training workshops I developed. You can be the best scientists, the best exercise science presenter in the world and have all of the best um, credentials, but they're not going to do it when they're not in front of that 
trainer if they don't feel like there's a connection and there's rapport and there's a relationship being built as part of that process um, during that session. And so that is something that I learned from my first days in the military that became um, nearly, uh, I would refer to them as part of my pillars of my program. That, well, I can tell you from my own experience working with you, one of the biggest things that I took away from doing your courses, level one and level two, that I don't hear from others that are certified in boot camp is the teaching from the um, lead from the heart and teach from the head. And that is something that has stuck with me ever since you've said that. And I try my hardest to do everything from my heart and use my head as the secondary tool. And yeah, your connection that you show to all of your certification um, troops is just astonishing. And not just only the ones that are certified, the connections that you equip and build even in the short amount of times that you're doing a course for like example at the um, Toronto Fitness Expo you make sure you're connecting with everyone in that room whether it be a crossing eye path and a nod or whether it's talking getting down working out with them whatever it may be that is something that really has driven me to you as a mentor and to get certified in boot camp through you was that connection and that that leading from the heart and teaching from the head. Well, I appreciate that, Candace. And you know, and I still remember that first time we met. You were one of the um, many eager and overworked assistants at the World uh, Toronto CanFit Pro Conference and. And I immediately saw that spark in your eye. And as, as most drill sergeants uh, do, they, um, they make nicknames um, for their soldiers. And I think that was the day when I met you, uh, I said that, you know what? I'm calling you spark plug. Yes, it was. And that's um, is because it personified really that, that fire inside you that you try and share in the people that you know. And it, and it reminds me of that one uh, quote um, that also is one of the things that I live by in, in my programs is that the meaning of life is to find your gift, but the purpose of life is to give it away. And that's, you know, to be transparent and, um, and to be approachable and, um, is uh, something that I uh, aspire to be every single day. And precisely was the reason why you and I um, met, you know, it, it, it's not, it's, it wasn't um, like you were in the class. I met you, I think it was on the escalator going, you were going up and I was going down. I said, I said, um, you're working hard. And I think that just um, opened up that conversation. Cause I guess, I am that guy that probably talks to people in the elevator and even when it's um, kind of weird, but, you know, as a friend of mine once said, it's only weird if it doesn't work. 
Yeah, I'm that person too. That's probably why we connected and I answered right back to you. That's right. Um, so you've now created this amazing platform that you're sharing with others so that they can then share mm-hmm. with others. How, how do you prepare yourself for the courses and the training and the certifications? Is there a routine? Like how does, how does a day go? You're waking up and you, you have a bunch of certifications that you're going to be doing. How does that day look? Well, you'll hopefully wake up with, um, a proactive spirit and not a reactive spirit. You see, you know, it's like um, my sensei um, once asked, and he says, you know, what does it mean to be a black belt? And, um, and you know, the answer is uh, the same as if you were to ask the question, what does it mean to be a master instructor? It means to be a good student. And so every day I realize that there's, there's a number of things that I need to learn each day and I need to be on a creative mode um, more than an interpretive mode. And in that effort, I'm constantly researching every single day. I'm researching uh, and um, uh, making certain that the more I have in me is the more I have to offer others. And, um, and, uh, you know, I, I wake up trying to set goals, but I don't just set, you know, goals that are like bucket list goals. Uh, there's a difference between having a goal filled life or a growth focused life, because a growth focused life is a person who's going to be proactive, not reactive and write down goals that shape the person in who and the why in the what they are, meaning that. If you don't know your purpose in life and the why and your um, and even to go as far as making a mission statement about, you know, your purpose in life, uh, if you don't know that, it's like the story about trying to carve an elephant with clay for the first time in your life in an art class. Um, You know, what do you think you might need if you were trying to carve an elephant out of clay for the first time where well, you probably need a picture. Uh, yes. Uh, but because uh, otherwise um, you'd start carving and chipping away at this clay. If you didn't have a picture, you'd chip away and chip away until when you're finally done, it doesn't look like what you would imagine it would be. And isn't that how 98% of us go through life? You know, we, we don't have, a growth focused life. The, the goals don't support the vision and who and the why and what we are. Um, you know, people will ask me all the time, so what, what are, what do you do, Sergeant? Can I explain it to them? And then they'll say, Oh, it sounds like you're a personal trainer. And I'd say, no, I'm a life changer. And while they might look at me odd, uh, I'll, you know, it's like the, the, the metaphor is that the difference between um, the what and the why in a surgeon, a, a surgeon that performs surgeries, well, that's the what, but a surgeon that saves lives, that's the why. And uh-huh. that's how I focus my life each day so that my living compass, my GPS, my map that keeps me on track is knowing my purpose and how I serve others. And then 
any day that I go through a day where I'm not living up to those values, I, it's like being lost in the woods. You, you try and get back on track. And as long as I remind myself of that up every day, I'll have a growth-focused life, a proactive life, and not a reactive life. Um, that's amazing. So you ju- you write growth, growing goals down each day, and then you just start checking them off. Every single day, that's the way to start. You've got to look at your goal list. If the first thing that you do is grab your phone or grab your computer and look at your Instagram or Facebook accounts, for example, and you respond to those uh, messages or respond to a post, you, you, what, you, what you've just done is you started your day where someone's running your life for you. That's exactly what happened. And instead, if you're looking at your own personal goals and get into a creative mode, and let's just say you look at your goal list, which is a growth-focused filled uh, list and because it supports your vision. Uh, but if you're looking at it and let's just say you start your day where you've uh, realized that you, you accomplished one and you check that off, you just started your day with a win. And in that you can build upon that experience and make it significantly stronger each time. And in that you're building your self esteem yourself, um, in, in a number of ways. Um, and, when you're doing that, you're also able to help others because of that uh, process that you go through every day. How does that sound, spark plug? That sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you, every time I talk to you, my mind gets blown with amazing information. <laughs> um, so besides just your military um, background and exercises and routines that you bring to start fitness, mm. you are certified in a lot of different other things. Like I know you are, is it Stroops? Yeah. Is so that I've, what it's got, called? I've got some sort of, um, let's just say there are partnerships and alliances with a number of different companies, you know, um, Certified as a master fitness trainer and, uh, with, the, you, with the Army and as a master resilience trainer with the Army, uh, those are my military certifications. My civilian certifications, you know, they, they're kind of uh, limited just to the American Council on Exercise and the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Now, these other, um, these other titles of uh, master instructor for matrix, um, stroops, hyperware, um, uh, active motion bar. Uh, um, I could go on from there. Um, and of course now water rower, uh, I would say that they were, um, they're kind of like when you get the honorary PhD and not to play them less than what they are, but it's because I didn't go through, whatever formal program um, that some of them had because some of them didn't even have a formal master instructor program when I went through them at the time. And, um, you know, matrix, for example, we had, they, Jeremy Shore developed it and I took it. We were, I was one of the first to take that one, but for uh, Stroops and, and uh, for water, uh, uh, for water rower, uh, 
I created education for them. And as a result, um, they, I had to have some sort of title. Uh, so they made the title of master instructor or principal instructor or program developer. But in the case of water rower, I'm now the director of uh, programming for that company because we're, um, we're really rewriting uh, everything from scratch uh, on, on their materials so that they can really make a mark for the future. And even though the company has been around for 30 years. So to look at that list, I'd say there's over a dozen um, of those titles that, and um, because of, uh, that were awarded to me either by their education or a combination of my own education and their education. Wow. So with all of your titles, everything that you have under your belt, your many, many hats that you have, what is it like to then wear all those different types of hats and travel around the world inspiring, impacting, and empowering others. And what do those three things mean? And how do you make sure that you go about doing that? And then how can others do so? I was always careful about my alliances and my partnerships and the people that I wrote education for. One, you know, if they're a product manufacturer, it had to be a product that made sense, that fit the brand, you know, um, for example, I don't think that um, even though it was I've, I've had some crazy offers, but for example, I don't think that I would be suitable for being the master instructor for Flirty Girl Fitness, even though it was <laughs> it was brought up a couple of times in the past. But so so the first thing was I had to make alliances that fit the brand and fit the vision. So then the second thing was I had to make a, a partnership where they meaning the people who are part of those companies would allow me the creative freedom to implement my education with my um, ratio of 70% psychology and 30% science. For example, the programming I'm writing for water rower um, is it, we're making some great lessons on how to row both for either private studios, big box gyms at home or in an RS30 fitness uh, studio, which is one of um, one of the main areas where you will see a water rower uh, device. But um, what they're allowing me to do is being able to write an education program where I can show trainers how to impact and empower people under my uh, main pillars um, of inform, impact, and empower through the strategies of connection, rapport, and relationship building. So I can show them a 360-degree approach to staging themselves in such a way and where they stand and deliver their commands would be the basis of whether or not they maintain that connection, rapport, and relationship or destroy it altogether and how they can build upon the experience each time so that instead of just acquaintances that they build in their classes, they build a, a community. And in fact, what I like to refer to as a tribe. Uh, so I 
I, um, I love like your impacting, empowering and inspiring people, um, is one thing that really has stuck with me in wanting to do so. And I luckily found a, a gym, a boot camp um, place where I'm now running boot camps out of. And it is exactly what you're talking about. It is a tribe. Um, we call the fit club people that come to our club fit clubbers. And yeah, it is honestly, it is a family. It's a tribe. Everyone's pushing each other. And it, it fits perfectly into what you have shown me and taught me, continue to teach me. And I, yeah, I, I'm very excited. Um, how, how does, how does one keep um, inspiration? That's a, uh, that's a great question, Candice. Um, there's a couple of things that work for me when it comes to maintaining um, a good level of inspiration. Uh, again, I'll go back to what I said earlier about always being a good student, uh, constantly learning, um, because because a lot of instructors will you know live in this fear that eventually that they've been able to learn as much as they can learn, and they fall into what is called destination disease. And um, uh, if they they live by that, what happens is is that their programs become stale, and people leave and go somewhere else. Then there's the psychological uh, approach, the way you present that 70% that I keep referring to, where you, um, you know the difference between impact and influence. You know, influence is, you know, it's a, it's a level of motivation when you influence somebody. It's great. Uh, you know, they might be tickled, great class, Candace, but um, if they're only influenced, they may not do it when they're not in front of you. They'll maybe only will do it when they're motivated uh, at your class. But what I see and what you've been doing with your people uh, in both, I guess, uh, through Instagram and Facebook is probably what I shoot for every time I present in any way where I focus on impact instead of influence where impact instead of motivation you you have captivation because in impact it's it's where you move their heart and you change them forever and as a result when there's a heart change uh, it's a lifestyle change and um that that's on a level of rapport because you've discovered what's important to the student you proved to them it was important to you and uh as a result they feel um, loyal, uh, the sense of loyalty and that they thrive on that loyalty. And that's the difference between surviving and thriving. When you, when you have impact, you you don't need to worry about influence because influence comes as a byproduct of impact because influence is a movement and a movement's not possible until you've had a hard change. And that's the difference between the what and the why the, what is the program that you teach? The why is, well, can you go into that class each day, set up all your tech, come early, meet some people, and then just before you start the music, can you say in your head the two questions that I say every single class, how can I add value to their lives today? How 
can I help them reach success? By saying those two questions in my head, I've talked to my heart voice. I'm now focused on making it a lifestyle change for everyone in that room. And therefore, I've also made it a lifestyle change for myself. Oh, okay. I'm going to start asking those questions. I, I, in my, I don't, it's not that I don't think that, but I subconsciously am aware of always trying to bring the most value to those that I'm doing my boot camps with. But I'm going to start actually asking myself those questions and see the difference in what I, what I bring to the classes. Guaranteed you're going to see a difference immediately. So with impacting, you're, you're changing someone's heart. And when you change their heart, you become inspired. And that that inspiration kind of becomes like you said, kind of like a loyalty, you you're inspired by them, you want to kind of like you're loyal. How do you what's the empowering part? Or does that kind of fall in between all of them? How do you empower someone? Well, again, the program pillars are inform, impact and empower. And while those high level thoughts are great, people need to know how to use them. Strategies, which are timed plans, connection, rapport and relationship are my strategies that run parallel to inform impact and empower connection starts before you start the class rapport happens during the class relationships happen after the class because they take time well if relationship is parallel to empowerment empowerment's giving them the tools necessary to be successful in life well that can't happen unless you have a relationship with that person okay that makes sense. Now, when it comes to inspiring and then, and then that's, that self-perpetuating perpetuating, uh, uh, inspiration, that, um, you know, it, it goes back to the definition of mentorship. A mentorship is a two-way street. It's not just, you know, you refer to me as your mentor, and um, I'm honored. But, you know, mentorship also means I can learn from you if – we're in that mentorship category with each other in that relationship because um, in an effort of me always playing a good student and um, always having a great deal of humility and is uh, in my leadership traits that I know that uh, mentorship will always exist as a two-way street and that that constant learning process can be the inspiration that keeps you going. Okay. So, inform, impact, and inspire. Inform, impact, and empower. And empower. Through connection, rapport, and relationship Amazing. building. Amazing. Um, through all of this... We're going to bring it back to where you first started. You are a husband and a father. Yes. And now you have all of this traveling that you do throughout the year. How do you manage your success, both business and personal? How do you and Stephanie 
make it so that it works because a lot of times that distance is what gets gets that relationship great how do you guys keep that strong well it's not always easy and in fact um with as many things as we have on our plate sometimes it gets kind of challenging but i'm coming into a season where i'm really going to thrive on and on the empowerment uh, level of it all where i need to make certain that in an effort of building a legacy having the right team members and empowering them with a relationship building process and, and a learning process that they can function and do the job. Well, then I can then just simply step back and be a facilitator and lift them up. I mean, and that's really what a legacy is. A legacy is not what you leave for someone. It's what you leave in someone. And um, I know that this season um, is going to be, the next couple of years, I'm going to be transitioning where I'll be traveling less and supervising more, doing more things virally, online, Zoom video conference calls, mastermind mentorship programs, um, and maybe summits where just the master instructors come to me and I'll be doing a lot less of uh, the level one experiences. And those level one experiences will be taught now by uh, the people that I've empowered as level three instructors. Okay. Um, now, outside of being a husband, a father, having all of these certifications, you also have written multiple articles for different magazines and you are an award-winning national presenter, which is amazing. And I was there while you were awarded here in, like, here in Toronto. And I was probably the loudest one in the room. <laughs> um, what topics do you go around? Because you're a life coach. What are these topics? I know some of them are like leadership and mentorship and how to build relationships and resilience. What other topics do you go around sharing so that others can then have strategies to build the life that they're wanting? I think that's some of my favorite work now in this new season, um, because I look at fitness as uh, something that exists in um, seven dimensions. You've got physical and nutritional, and the reason I separate the two, even though they've always been kind of just lopped in together, um, I look at them differently because uh, as you delineate the difference between the two, you can really focus on um, assisting you, yourself, and others um, uniquely um, in, the, in those areas so that you can succeed at least in the, the uh, physical category. Then there's the emotional fitness, which is the resiliency life coaching piece and how we can talk to that heart voice to show them we care so that they'll want to do the program. Social fitness is really uh, more prevalent when you see boot camp programs because if it wasn't for the support of others, uh, you, there's no way you would accomplish all of the obstacles that are in a standard boot camp program. And then you've got family fitness um, financial fitness too. And even though that doesn't fit 
into our normal makeup of classes. And there are a lot of times that I've organized, um, you know, specialty workshops at uh, the studios uh, in, Sa- in San Francisco where we would have a basic level boot camp, a break, and then do a financial freedom class. And the reason was this. It, it, it's a form of fitness. And I'll tell you why. Because fitness is supposed to counter is, – is supposed to help you manage stress. And that's, that, yes. that's the way I look at it because stress, stress is all around us. And, and we, we put on a lot more unwarranted stress on ourselves um, now more than ever. I, I mean, for example, uh, all of the mentions I've mentioned uh, uh, thus far um, are things that help you manage stress, like f- the physical and nutritional. There's no bigger killer of self-esteem than to look in the mirror and not be satisfied with the way you look. That's a fact. So, if the, True. so when people are, are uh, doing a, a good job and they feel in their heart that they're doing a good job, well, that's a booster. And that's, um, that's a way of you taking that stress and turning into strength and that obstacle into an opportunity. Emotional fitness. Uh, how are you able to talk to that heart voice so that um, they're able to have that strong connection, rapport, and relationship with you so that the workouts are actually easy. And because we all know uh, there's people take on a whole lot of un- emotional baggage in, in everything that we do because, because of the stress that's in our environment. We, our environment's not so kind and, and we're affected by our environment. Social fitness, the help of using it. Uh, with others if you, you can't do it alone family fitness are you able to connect and and build upon uh you know this strengthening your relationships with your family because that's part of your support system too financial stress well people live and and um and die by by um uh, and I mean it psychologically because of the financial stress that they put in their lives. And if, if they could figure out a way of just removing or managing that stress in their life, well, that's why I consider it one of the dimensions. And then the seventh dimension doesn't mean it's the last because it, it could be in any order at all. But spiritual fitness is something big in my life, um, you know, and that could be for uh, unique to anyone that's listening to this podcast right now. For me, it's my relationship with God. Uh, you know, for some of your listeners, it might be their religion or it might be meditation. But the bottom line is this spiritual fitness means that you you've got to realize you can't do it alone and you've got to rely on a strength that's higher than yourself for building up when you are weak. And that connection and that rapport and that relationship that you have with that higher power, whatever that is, through meditation or or through, um, you know, your faith could be the basis of whether you overcome that strategy or not, um, that, you know, overcome that obstacle. And so uh, when you take all seven dimensions and call it comprehensive fitness, when you do that, that fine balance between all of them, then you have impact because you've met that person and you've met their baggage with an with a response that's that is appropriate for all of those dimensions and there's no way they can fall by the wayside because you plugged all the holes in their sinking ship and you set sail for something that's greater than they were before 
Um, and all boats rise on high tide. That is, that is very true. Um, so with all seven components put together, you then go around and you share these with others um, so that they can cultivate resilience. Now, you've talked a little bit about it and how it's you're either bouncing back or you're or you're breaking. Um, can you explain a little bit more on resilience? Like, how do you cultivate it? Like, how does someone use it? Is it does everybody have it? Can you not have it? Um, what's the importance? I believe that everyone has resilience and I would uh, first have to help your listeners by explaining that I look at life coaching in three different divisions. You've got, you know, uh, clinical psychology, you've got, um, you know, that would be the people that work Hello? in that area. Can you hear me? Uh, it's kind of... Let's see if we're oh. fading back in there. Can you hear me now? Oh, I can. All right. So I look at uh, life coaching in three different divisions. You've got clinical psychology, um, you know, people that fall under the, uh, the, the role of counseling, like your marriage and family counselor, things like that. I look at that like as the last line of defense. It's a great to have if you need it. Um, and, and it's um, definitely the most um, practiced form of life coaching. Then you've got, strategic intervention. Now, I, again, I don't I've never heard this explained in any way, but uh, by anyone else, but this is the way I look at it. But then the second division is strategic intervention and uh, which is high risk, high yield, high, could be high failure. The, the person who made this the most popular, this division most popular is Tony Robbins. He could have a couple standing up in the middle of a crowd of 7,000 people. And that's on the brink of divorce that, that weekend that they came to that conference and, and leverage the energy of the crowd and his visualization techniques to get them to see that, that the uh, healing and the happiness that they, they can, um, they can pursue actively pursue. And, and he's smart enough to go and, you know, follow up with them six months later uh, to see if it's still working. And, and I know that from his case studies that most of the time he's got a, a, an incredible success rate. Then the newest category since um, Dr. Martin Seligman really pioneered it out of the University of Pennsylvania School of Positive Psychology uh, is called resiliency. And the resiliency means that it, it's, it, it's the first line of defense that we already know that we all have post-traumatic stress disorder. Everybody does. It's not just a plague that hits the military. It's post-traumatic stress disorder is the result of having a traumatic thing happening in your life. But you know, how you choose to respond to it is going to be the basis of whether or not you're resilient or not to be bendable and not breakable to, to not only go through the experience, but to grow through the experience. And um, in, that, in that concept, in understanding that concept, we tell soldiers, for example, when we're dealing with them, saying that, listen, we all have PTSD. Well, if we all have PTSD, we're not plagued. We're not diseased. 
It's normal. It's a normal way yeah. of life. So if you already realize it's normal, then the next step is, is to seek out, seek out what, how, what is the learning experience from this? Now, I'm not going to explain everyone's traumatic uh, situation that they've had in their life. That's unique to them. But there's, there is a learning experience from every trauma we have, every trauma, no matter what it is, the loss of, uh, a, a, of a loved one, um, the loss of a job, um, um, a, a, you know, war, conflict. There's a number of things. But how, if, there's, if in realizing that there's only two things that can happen and that's fall apart or bounce back, well, that means – if you if you're focusing on if you're focusing on the um, the uh, the the stress instead of the suffering, suffering is where you feel hopeless and helpless to manage the stress. And when you feel hopeless and helpless to manage the stress, well, then you seek escape. And a lot of people seek escape in the form of drugs, alcohol, or sometimes uh, suicide. Okay, and that's why. The, the, there's so many suicides today because they're seeking escape. But if you realize that if we all have PTSD, well, then fine. Then let's just go ahead and let's go the other direction. And let's just seek PTG, post-traumatic growth, as Dr. Martin Seligman put it in his book called Flourish. Um, and, and so if we're seeking growth, well, and we're seeking that learning experience from everything that we do, well, that means that trauma is probably going to make us better than the people that are in our environment because they haven't had the same trauma. It's unique to us. And people have got to realize when it comes to dealing with suffering, um, which is the worst thing that when you have to seek escape like that, people got to realize, and instead of focusing on post-traumatic stress disorder and suffering, people got to realize this pain. Eric Thomas said it best. Pain is temporary. It might last for a moment. It might last for a day, a week, a month, a year. Eventually, it will subside. Pain is temporary. But giving up, giving up is permanent. That's what suffering is. Suffering is giving up. And that's one thing I understand about nearly all of the soldiers that I've had in you know, working with me is that they never give up. They always push through. And so it's a learning experience. I look at resiliency as the first line of defense. We all have it. And according to Dr. Al Siebert, who wrote the book, The Resiliency Advantage, he says that in order to use resources that you have at your disposal um, to overcome your obstacles, he says there are three key resources in resiliency. One, how you think. Two, support system. And three, genetics. How you think. That person is always going to use optimism as a way of overcoming adversity and learning from the experience. Or support system. You know, your, your pastor, your teacher, your mentors, your friends, your family members. These are the people that are in your support system that you use when you face an obstacle of any kind to learn from the experience. And then genetics. There's some people that are just predisposed that they can go out there and say, you know, this is going to suck. I know this is going to suck. So I'm going to go run 10 miles and just go ahead and let my endorphins kick in and be fine. Well, Dr. Al Siebert says you have to balance all three in order to really thrive 
in life. How you think, support system, and genetics. So yes, we all have the ability to be resilient, but unless we focus on those, on the balance of those key resources that Dr. Al Sieber put in his book, The Resiliency Advantage, unless we focus on the balance between all those three, we won't even see it. Now, with resilience, when you say bounce back, you, when you say that, you're bouncing back as a new person, though, correct? Correct. Because bounce back is the, is, is the commonly used term to, be, uh, uh, to bounce back from adversity, to be bendable, not breakable. It's a, it's a, common, it's a common phrase when people think of you know, what is resiliency. But um, uh, to me, it, it really means just to grow through your experiences. Um, and I, although I'll help people um, brainstorm their own um, definition of what resilience means to them and use the common, uh, the common term of bounce back. But to me, I don't uh, personally, I don't use the term at all because cause even just the term bounce back just kind of means that, well, the, 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 the word back, it's not really going back. It's, it's really leaping forward. I, I was just going to say that because um, I was um, when I was writing this question, I, I got thinking, what do I even think is resilient? And I didn't want to Google search it. I didn't want to do anything. I just I just kind of sat there. And one thing that did come to my mind was your you either go through life or you grow through life. Correct. And when I was sitting there, I said, okay, I, and I know the bounce back, you either break or you bounce back. And I got thinking, well, if you bounce back, then you kind of are being the same. You're, to me, you're, I think of you're the same person. You just, you didn't break. And you just, you figured it out and you're moving forward. Like you, you just keep going and you continue. Mm-hmm. But to me, resilience is taking that adversity, that trauma or whatever it may be, learning the lesson that is in there for you to learn. Because I believe life gives you lessons until you learn them. And until you learn them, they're going to keep repeating in your life. However it may look, it may be different in all different, at all different times, but it's going to keep coming until you learn that lesson. And to me is... When adversity comes, you learn what you need from it. You, you take that stress that is coming into your life and you resort it into something that is positive, like your, like your group, your, your, your team and your support team. And you find strategies and you move forward, but you're never going to be the same person. Never. Never. Change equals growth. Yes. Like, and for an example, like the Sergeant Ken that went away the night of his wedding is not the exact same Sergeant Ken that Stephanie got back a year later. Nor was Stephanie, nor was Stephanie the same person when I came back. She had to, she had to, uh, 
she had to hold it all together and, and, and grow. And when I came back, you know, 13 and a half months later from that, uh, from invasion till all the way through when I returned, she was different. And, um, she was even more beautiful than uh, she was before because of, uh, just what she grew into. And it reminds me of, um, you know, again, the pioneer of the positive psychology and resiliency, Dr. Martin Seligman, uh, what he put, um, you know, what he illustrated really well in his book, Flourish. He says that we, we all rely on these six resilience competencies when we face an obstacle of any kind, self-awareness, self-regulation, optimism, mental agility, strength of character, and connection. Now, we don't have to use all six. We can use any one of the six or a combination of several of them or all of them together. But the bottom line is this. It, it falls into these categories. You face an obstacle, and it's not like the resources that I mentioned from Al Siebert where, you know, how you think and support system and genetics. That's, that's, that's an overarching theme because these are our resources that we pull, these these this, these, uh, these uh, the ammunition that we load into the weapon. But how we fire that weapon, well, that's either by self-awareness, self-regulation, optimism, mental agility, strength of character, and connection. Can we face that obstacle and be self-aware, like at times, so that we know our, our, own, our own abilities? So um, because, you know, just because I said earlier that a soldier never quits doesn't mean he always wins. He or she has got to realize that in an effort of self-awareness, sometimes you really got to know that when you are, um, when you need to take the learning experience and that goes back to, you know, what John C. Maxwell says, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. If you say sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Well, that means you accept, you accept the trauma. And if you don't, and if you are resilient and you accept the learning experience instead well, that means instead of bouncing back, like we just put together for your audience members already, Sparkplug, that it's not bouncing back. It's leaping forward because sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. Yeah. And that is what makes the difference in whether you succeed and overcome or you stay trapped and unfortunately sometimes resort to that escape route. Uh-huh. Um, with, with all of this, you, not only just by me, you get called mentored by people all over the world and you certainly, certainly deserve to be called a mentor because you give your best to everyone and you certainly impact and empower people to then go out and do the same for others. Um, what is, what is a mentor? And I know you said it's someone that it's not just one person mentoring the other, it's back and forth, but is mentoring and being a leader the same? And how do you, how do you work both of them? And can you give me a story on how you had to do either one? Most people go through um, life and say that um, uh, mentorship, that it's not worth it to have 
um, to practice mentorship in their lives because uh, they might feel that it either it takes too much time uh, away from what they need to do for themselves or, um, or that um, it's just simply not effective. Uh, you know, I beg to differ. Um, if, if Dr. Al Siebert, you know, clearly pointed out that you're with your support system, you can overcome and learn from your obstacles. And that's part of your resources. Well, mentorship really just it shows that you're relying on that support system to grow in life. And so that would mean that instead of just going through life, that you're using others to, to elevate um, your life. And it's like I said earlier, the reason why I said all boats rise on high tide, um, it's because in mentorship, when someone is using a mentor to learn from an experience, well, that mentor is also receiving this organic growth as part of being able to, 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 to strengthen that relationship and to share knowledge and to um, about worldly experiences. And in, as a result, they're both leaping forward. And in an effort of leaping forward, those people that said that mentorship was really not worth it, well, they're the ones who get left behind. Okay. Now, is being a mentor the same as being a leader? I think so. I think that, you know, okay, let's look at the definition of leadership. Um, uh, leadership, uh, military defines leadership as, um, as um, a person that provides um, uh, purpose and motivation in, um, in, 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 in order to accomplish the mission. But um, John C. Maxwell says a leader simply just makes the lives of those that follow them better. Well, that's exactly what a mentor does. A mentor just makes, you know, the, the, the pe people in their life and their, and their circle of influence, it makes their lives better um, uh, through their, their, their acts of wisdom and their acts of uh, kindness. So how, how, can, how can you, because a lot of people get leadership wrong and why I asked you this is because a lot of the times you see um whether it's you call them bosses at work or whatever it may be somebody that is higher authority of you or is your, your coach your leader or whatever it may be a lot of the times it's and I you see this thing on a google search if you google it it's there's the leader and he's pointing and everyone else is kind of he's on a throne and he's pointing and he's making his team take him and then the, on the bottom half there's a leader and he's pointing but he's at the very front of the pack and he's has the rest of his troop pulling with him what what makes people think differently about those why do people some people understand that leadership comes and starts with you and others feel and somehow take leadership differently and use it to, I would say, negatively. They might be achieving a goal, but it's 
more selfish? Like, how do how do people get those mixed up? Like, how do you? What makes people feel that when they become a leader, that they become the most important person, and everything has to be done for them? You know, I can't really explain why some people um, have unusual definitions of leadership, but I can tell you uh, how it works for me. Uh, it, it, it reminds me of the difference between a leader and a manager. A manager manages plans and programs, but a leader, a leader influences and impacts the lives of people. So a manager takes oh. care of programs. A leader takes care of people. I like that. So that's the difference. Um, for example, you know how a lot of people say, hey, I'm going to, the, I'm going to um, go and uh, join this because I want to follow, uh, I, 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 I follow you know, this cause and, and because I really believe in this cause. Well, I, I guarantee this. I guarantee this. 100% of the time when someone tries to join a cause, a movement, it's not because they were joining the movement itself, but they were joining the leader first because they know the leader was standing forward to offer something that was going to make their life better. And the movement became a byproduct of that leadership. And so that is the difference between impact and influence a leader impacts influence again okay. influence is just the movement that comes as a result of true leadership of people okay so for all my listeners out there if you are in a leadership role you're you're not just managing the whatever it is, whether it's a store, your work, or the plans, you're managing the people. Is that what you're wanting my listeners to hear is to be a good leader is you're managing the people, not just the plans. Exactly. Put, put it this way. So I just recently got promoted to Sergeant First Class in the Tennessee Army National Guard. First thing I did, so even though I've been working in this squad and I knew um, a lot of my fellow sergeants, you know, somewhat well. I quickly got in there to, uh, and had some private one-on-one counseling sessions with them to kind of find out what their career goals were and what their personal goals were, what, how what they were doing with their family life. Because in knowing that information and assess, I was able to assess a plan and make a tentative plan so that I could make their lives better. Now, in an effort of me trying to get my soldiers uh, professionally lifted and promoted by giving them an, op- uh, an opportunity to go to um, educational schools, leadership schools, which would also help them with their family life because that, that's something that, you know, it, it intertwined together. In an effort of doing this, it made my leadership looked at as more effective because all I was doing was making their lives better. They will do the work for you. All you need to do is make their life better. 
most leaders, um, unfortunately, think as managers where they need to be doing the work for me. No, you need to make their life better and they will do the work for you. It's perspective. Yes. And that comes by leading from the heart and teaching from the heart. Exactly. Um, what is next? What is next for you? And how can my listeners find you? And if there's any boot camp instructors out there, people that are wanting to get certified in boot camps, how do they find you to take your level one or level two course? Well, even if they're not wanting to get certified as a boot camp instructor, when we launch these online materials, uh, they're going to be launched with, uh, I'm going to be launching a business course uh, with my wife. My wife is going to be doing a business uh, law course, uh, a resiliency and leadership and mentorship course, uh, which will all be available online uh, through our platform and, uh, or live, they can go to sergeantken.com S G T K E N.com and, and click on our schedule and see, Uh, Like they say, coming to a theater near you or coming to a convention or um, facility near you, because um, I've still got quite a few contracts to honor before I travel less and facilitate more online. Uh, You know, instead of, you know, last year I I did well over 120 different performances abroad. Uh, This year I'm scheduled for less than half of that. And I think in um, 2019, I'm going to cut down to even half of that and only do uh, some of the major conventions and then then make certain that I empower uh, my team members, my my fellow leaders to, um, uh, if they want to, to um, build their own legacy and their own team members by doing uh, events that are close to them, which will keep me uh, doing more things in Nashville, Tennessee, which would be good, both good for family and, and good for that next level, that next season of life. Because uh, I want to held summits in Nashville where um, they come out and not only learn what I think a master instructor uh, should do or a, a senior leader should do, but I would take them out into, um, you know, Percy Warner wilderness and teach them how to use a, a compass and a map and do, uh, you know, critical thinking skills and leadership skills and building a plan and, and doing these things in a, what I would call a tactical environment. We might even be moving some of those activities to a military base um, and uh, doing it there so that we can get the real familiarity of what I had to go through. But the bottom line is this, if, if I can come, if I can come into this season, like I see it coming, now is that we will be hosting quite a few events in Nashville live and of course virally uh, so that people can really uh, expand on their own leadership um, attributes or learn from scratch. Wow. I will definitely be joining in (laughs) your events and your certifications online. Um, Anything that you and Stephanie put together, I'm definitely in because it's 
it's going to be life-changing. I just know it. With you in it and her in it, yeah, it's definitely going to be changing lives. For my last question, it is, what is your perspective on positivity? Well, uh, I think it's the same perspective I have on positive psychology. Um, that there's a positive outcome that we can look at in, in anything that we do in life uh, because uh, of the because uh, of a growth mindset. Uh, Carol Dweck wrote the book called Mindset. And she, uh, she, you know, very, very well um, illustrated about how we can have a different perspective on any, everything that we do in life through um, a mindset training. And Dr. Martin Seligman's work with uh, Dr. Karen Rivich, who wrote The, Resili- the Resilience Factor, um, you're able to take um, simple psychology and just focus on positive psychology. And as a result, um, you, you don't have just a, uh, uh, you know, a, a simple life. You have a flourishing life, which is the difference between just surviving and thriving. How do you want to be remembered? I mean, really, that, that's, that's the question to ask yourself when you're trying to find the why and the who and what you are. How do you want to be remembered? Do you want to be the person that was able, that was looked at as saying that, man, that, that spark plug, no matter what, she would just brighten up everything in the room, no matter how I felt. And I know that spark plug's life isn't, you know, always perfect because, you know, we all have situations that happen to us, but, but at least spark plug always made me feel better. And, you know, being great doesn't mean being better than anyone else that's around you. Being great means better than you used to be. And that's only through the power of positivity. I really like that. I really, really, really like that. Glad you do, Spark Plug. It's coming from the heart. And as it always is, as, as you may recall from the very first workshops that we took together. Yes. Uh, well, I have no more questions written down. Is there anything else that you would like to share that we might have forgot or maybe that you would really like to give my listeners so that you're impacting and empowering and all of that to the best of your ability? Um, well, uh, I'd say... Uh, to practice a daily dose of what I call positive mental nutrition, uh, you know, uh, to try and put things in their lives that are always going to be uh, something that elevates them. Uh, you know, an old Chinese um, philosophy uh, is that you know what you put your eye, put in your eyes and your ears has an impact on your very soul. It'll either lift you up or tear you down, and you know, and we have, um, you know, that private um, Facebook group called Start Reading because um, we're trying to encourage all of our coaches all around the world to uh, practice a daily dose of mental nutrition every day. 
and um, we're reading uh, Braving the Wilderness by Dr. Brene Brown right now. He's a brilliant author. And um, so to join us, and there's no cost. It's just a, um, uh, to just join us through that, and we'll, uh, or we'll approve your request. And then jump in on our uh, once, a, once a month. We'll do, cover a new book that is all about positivity and leadership, mentorship, and um, and we will uh, help you as you help us because we all of our comments in those on each chapter, uh, we use our each other's world life experiences to learn from each other because there's always a way we can relate from our experiences. Yes. And to all my listeners, I really encourage you to join us in this reading group. I... I flew through this book. I just, I don't know where I was. I must have been living under a rock, but I just got my hands on Audible, like the app where I can now listen to my book. I, I've heard of it before, but I just never had it myself. And wow, is that ever a game changer? Anytime I'm in the car, because I drive, I'm about 25 minutes away from my boot camp. So I, go, I come from St. Thomas to London. And I love it. I just whoop. And I went through that book and I could probably go through that book again because I love Brene Brown and I, I would love to meet her. I call her my spirit animal because she isn't so inspiring and she just, everything she says just hits me right in the heart. <laughs> I agree. Completely agree. And when Stephanie got certified by her, um, down in um, San Antonio, Texas, when she held um, an immersion course, uh, I think that really catapulted her toward um, a, a great deal of success uh, because success is uh, when your dreams are bigger than your doubts. And that's what kept Stephanie on the road uh, to resilience herself. I like that definition of success. That is a new one. I like that. Success is when your dreams are bigger than your doubt. I like that. That is good. Well, Sergeant Ken, it was an absolute pleasure talking with you. I love to do it again, whether it's on my podcast or just chatting. I would love to connect with you. Because I, as soon as you know when that level three master course is happening, I would love to be there. The, the honor is mine. And of course, <laughs> you're on the quick dial list. Perfect. Well, thank you so very much. I enjoyed our time. My listeners definitely have a lot to take away from. And I appreciate all your input and your strategies and just sharing your life with us. Well, again, the honor's mine. And uh, don't hesitate to reach out anytime that you want to chat again. Perfect. Thank you. Hoo-ah. Hoo-ah. <laughs> Bye. Bye.